Hey, Carm here, and welcome to episode 403. Now, we've come a long way in providing you amazing and relevant stories from our industry zone, and we continue to bring inspiration and transformation to an industry poised to learn something new each day. Here's one of those stories with shop owner Lucas Underwood. Now, here's a taste. If, if it wasn't for these associations, most of the training that I have been to would not have been provided. The things that have allowed me to grow my business to the level that we're currently at, I would have never even realized we had business coaches, would have never realized that there was management training, would have never realized there was genuine technical training out there. Welcome, aftermarketers, to Remarkable Results Radio. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hey, Carm Capriato here on the Aftermarket's Super Learning Highway. As my friend Andy Bizzib says, the podcast is like a 40-minute 20 group. Welcome, Napa, as a sponsor of the podcast. You know, Remarkable Results Radio is proud to partner with Napa Auto Care and the upcoming 2020 Napa Expo. Hey, join Napa in Las Vegas, April 6th through 9th, 2020, to discover the latest innovations in the auto care industry. This is an event you don't want to miss. Contact your Napa store to learn more. Hey, keep in mind, if you are involved with AMI and are going for your AAM or AMAM certifications, you can get elective credit by listening to our Town Hall Academy episodes. Go to the AMI page on the Remarkable Results Radio website for the scoop. Today, we'll be talking about a journey, a journey that encapsulates the experience of an individual steadfast on growing his influence as a leader. A journey of getting in touch with customers, taking care of them, and building a strong culture with his team. I'm talking to Lucas Underwood, owner of Ellen and Performance Auto Repair, who's a diesel specialist and a full-time auto repair facility. As a millennial, Lucas says he's learned from his mistakes and plans on making a whole bunch more as he persists through each challenge. With Lucas, we cover the topics that are on your mind, the context of the aftermarket, things you're thinking about every day, like the value of texting customers, career path for texts, customer service, training, and your responsibilities as a business owner are just a few of the stories we embroidered in this very transparent interview. Find the episode's talking points, Lucas's bio, and the links to his previous episodes at remarkableresults.biz slash E403. You know the drill. Listen to learn just one thing. Hey, a warm welcome to Lucas Underwood from LNN Performance Automotive Repair in Blowing Rock, North Carolina. Hi, Lucas. Hey, Carm. How are we, sir? I'm great, man. I'm going Blowing Rock. I love the name of that town. Anything special going on? Is there a Blowing Rock somewhere? Absolutely. There is a Blowing Rock, and, and there is an old Indian legend that um, a, uh, a emotional breakup happened between a uh, two Native Americans in the area. One threw themselves off of the Blowing Rock, and the natural wind currents blew them back to the top of the Blowing Rock. I've not personally tried it. I don't know if it would work or not. Uh, here, it's a beautiful spot, and, and if you ever get a chance to come see us, definitely got to go check it out. I definitely want to. I love North Carolina. Great, great state. Um, look, at uh, you and I have spent some time together. You've been on a great panel of mine at ASTE. You and I talk a lot about education. How can independents participate in schools? Oh, well, you know, there are so many opportunities, and so many of these opportunities are currently being missed. Um, and the reason I say that is, is recently I got involved with the local high school 
and I called them up and I said, Hey, listen, we want to help you guys out. Is there something that we can do? You know, I'm a small shop. I don't have the, the tons of funds that the big dealers and such have. What can I do to help? And he said, you'll never believe this. Wait a minute. You did this on your very own. I mean, did the guy have to pick oh, himself up off the floor? Uh, well, he was quite surprised and, and he comes back and he says, listen, you'll never believe this, but I'm a new instructor. And it turns out that when these instructors came into this school, two new instructors, um, that the previous advisory panel left, they didn't return. They had no support. They had no input. They had nobody there, uh, to give them insight. Uh, so they were trying to put the pieces together to say, Hey, who, who can we get went out and spoke with them? And, and, you know, never realized that there were other ways as a shop owner, as an independent shop owner, that we could be involved with education. So I actually went in and, and spoke to the kids in the classroom, spoke to two classes. Um, they said, hey, you know, you got used transmissions that, that don't go back on core. Maybe we could get those in here. Give these guys something new to take apart. Really cool facility. Now we're going to be having training uh, for all the guys in the area in this high school. Right? What a cool opportunity is that? You sound like you've just done an adopt-a-school program of your very own. I may have. Uh, we're going to shadow a uh, service writer uh, on the uh, next coming Monday. Um, who a young really? lady's going to? Yeah, and the young lady's going to come in. Says she's interested in being a business owner or a service uh, advisor. Wants to come in and and begin the process of seeing how it works and what we do on a daily basis to see if it's a good fit for. It. So when you ask the um, department chair, whoever it was that you spoke to, listen, I'm here to help. And what was the the number one thing you found out that they needed to have? They needed people. Um, they needed the input from the aftermarket, from the independents. Um, you know, I, I, one of your podcasts a while back, I heard somebody say that they could take that money to Vegas. Uh, and it was that they thought we had a plan for the kids coming out of the school. We thought they had a plan, you know, vice versa. We thought that somebody out here has a plan for what's going to happen with these technicians, these service riders when they come into the field. I'm convinced that there are no plans. And I am convinced based on what you just said is that don't wait for the guy down the road or the guy up the hill, the guy down the hill, the guy in this organization, the guy in that organization to do anything. Absolutely. It'll never happen. We, we've been talking, everybody in this industry has been talking for 20 years. We need to do something. And, and listen, th this is just getting worse and worse, but everybody's waiting on somebody else to do it. I'm so excited. You say, listen, I just picked up the phone and I called someone. I, I've said this over and over again on the show, eh, probably three or four times that I'm working on pull building a group of independents here in my town and sit them down with the department head of the local college that I'm on the advisory board. And in fact, we have a meeting tomorrow, our monthly meeting. And the department said, chair is okay. And I've just not been able to find the time to do it. So we can sit down as a bunch of independents and say, hey, what is it that you need? Now, you said they need help. They need people. Am I right? You said they need right. people. But what else? I mean, what is their training looking like inside? What, how are the instructors being trained? Is there anything that you could do to help that? Absolutely. And I think if we begin to have and work to get these instructors to the local training events, right, there are some really cool, really new techniques out there um, that they just don't get to see. And uh, they're seeing very, very few newer vehicles. A lot of the vehicles that they see come in that are donated um, or repaired for staff or older vehicles. Um, so just the opportunity. And, and listen, I've told the instructors, you want to come into our shop? 
and and spend some time with our guys and look and see how we're doing things and watch the process. You want to come to training events with us? We've invited them to ASTE. We've invited them to Vision. If you want to come with us, come on, let's let's go. And a lot of these guys just don't know about the events. And I don't think that any of the training opportunities um, are reaching out to the schools and saying, hey, we're having a training. How about you bring some students? How about you bring your instructors? Um, so very neat opportunities there. You know, other things that we can do are, are, of course, the core parts, parts that are bad that that they need to be able to take apart and, and put their hands on and physically touch. We're talking about this a lot, and um, I don't want to beat it to death because we seem to have a little snippet in almost every podcast that I do and every interview that I do is that education comes up. And the exciting thing is that people like you and other people in the industry are doing stuff, something about it. Lucas, is tech that's going on in the vehicles outpacing the education level of our current techs? Absolutely. How many times have you been into a shop and the the technician says, oh, I don't do that electronic stuff? Um, And, you know, I had a meeting yesterday with my hunter rep and he said, you know, he said 10 years ago, they said they weren't going to do these aftermarket wheels and tires. And five years later, they said, I'm not doing this tire pressure monitoring stuff. And a few years later, they said, I'm not going to hook a scan tool up and reset alignments. And he said, unfortunately, their market has gotten smaller and smaller. Um, And I think that's something that speaks to all of us. Can somebody just survive doing brakes? No. I mean, if you specialize in brakes and you market very, very well, maybe, uh, in my opinion, no. I I think you need to uh, diversify. You need to have a a lot of opportunity there to be able to survive in this industry. So training for the technician today, is your plan inside your business for your people to build a resume and to be sure that the tech training that they need to have, they're getting according to Lucas, not according to them? Are, Are you trying to create their career path? I'm trying to provide them with options for a career path, right? Um, I want to provide them with the information and the resources that they need. Malin Newton said something to me one time that blew my mind. He said, listen, if if they want to take a class on Microsoft Word, I'm going to pay them for that. And I said, yeah, but they're technicians. He said, I'm about uh, improvement, betterment of our technicians. I don't care if they're bettering themselves in the shop, if they're bettering themselves as a potential service advisor, I'm about making people better. Uh, and that just stood out to me. I'm giving them career paths. We're, we're coming up with direction and, and following the lead of the road to great technicians and some of the other opportunities that are out there. And we're following that and saying, hey, here's some opportunities for you. Where do you want to go? I, you know, I, I just honestly believe when I've gone to training, um, if I'm not into the training, I'm not learning. Are you going to vision? Absolutely. Okay. Taking the team? Not the whole team, taking part of the team. This That's time. cool. You sign up for Vision and you know you got to sign up for the classes and you're looking at all the classes. Are you picking the classes for, say, a tech that you're bringing or are you letting them? So we sit down and we talk about it together and we discuss, you know, so for instance, I may say, hey, listen, I've noticed that you're struggling a little bit in this area. I've got one that struggles a little bit with basic electrical. The theory is just not there. So we've talked about different classes that may fit that. And he says, hey, boss man, I understand. I know I need this basic electrical, but I would really like to do this diesel class. That seems really cool. He's in the diesel class. Okay, that, that the diesel class is really cool, yet Lucas knows that if you had the basic electric, the, the, the really cool diesel will even be better. 
Absolutely. And, and listen, we compromised a little bit. He got to pick some classes. I got to pick some classes. That you believe is the, is the process of training, no matter if you're going to vision or a class is coming to, to a town regionally, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So let me go back to my original question. Are you keeping a training booklet resume file on every tech, what they're taking? And then, you know, say in the in, inside front jacket of that folder, what you believe they need to be doing? I don't have a folder inside the front that we go through, but we do have an area where we keep all the training booklets, who took the training. And of course, you can see their notes in that training. And then we come back and we revisit that. We talk about what they learned. And then later on, not just right now, as soon as they're done with the training, we come back and revisit a few months later. Hey, you remember this? That is so powerful because when you teach, you learn. So have you ever gone to uh, one of your techs that came back from training and says, hey, in two weeks, I really want you to get up in front of the guys. We're going to do lunch and give us the give us the basics of the class. Well, we're still a pretty small shop. So we do lunch every Friday, take the guys out to eat. And that is pretty much what the conversation is on Friday. They get excited. They like talking about what it is that they've learned. And hey, this one Volkswagen in this class, uh, you're working on that now. I saw this. I remember this. We actually did it last week. Uh, Cameron Conover says, don't turn that motor backwards while you've got it apart, it's going to jump time. Uh, and, you know, so he was so excited to share that piece of knowledge. And it, it makes everybody feel like a team right? Uh, We're all contributing. Hey, Carm here to highlight why the Napa Auto Care program may be right for you. Let's talk about warranties. How long do you warranty your repairs or services for your customers? Does your warranty cover your customer's anywhere in the country. Now, if you're a Napa Auto Care Center, you have confidence in knowing your customers are covered for 24 months or 24,000 miles nationwide. Now, that's because one of the many benefits of the Napa Auto Care program is the nationwide peace of mind warranty. The nationwide peace of mind warranty provides the best coverage in the industry and it allows your shop to compete with other national brands. It's a written warranty that is honored at more than 17,000 Napa Auto Care Center locations from Florida to California and everywhere in between. Wow, 17,000 locations. That's more than any other automotive repair brand. When you're part of the Napa Auto Care program, no matter where your customers travel, if they experience a problem with a covered repair, they can count on Napa Auto Care to be nearby to get them back on the road. The nationwide peace of mind warranty covers parts and labor on qualifying repairs and services for 24 months or 24,000 miles. And the warranty claim process is easy too. If you're ready to give your customers the security and confidence of a nationwide warranty and provide them with peace of mind, knowing that they are receiving a quality repair or service, especially if they're unable to return to you for warranty, then Napa Auto Care may be right for you. Contact your local Napa Auto Parts store today and learn more about the nationwide peace of mind warranty and the hundreds of other reasons to become part of the Napa Auto Care family, the largest network of independent automotive repair shops in the country. In one of our conversations, you said to me that there's a dynamic shift between the owner and the tech. What did you mean by that? How many times have we got onto a social media um, platform? Have we talked to a technician? Have we interviewed a technician um, or spoken to a shop owner? And we have a conversation about what the other party's doing wrong and how it seems to be us against them. 
you know, I believe in our shop and, and, and guys that have come from different organizations have a hard time um, adapting to this. You break something, it's okay. I don't really care. We're going to fix it. Fixing it's what matters, not what you broke. And, um, you know, if things go wrong, we're going to have a discussion about it and move on. And it seems like in so many shops today, you didn't get enough hours. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. You broke this. Why'd you do this? And it's always about who we blame for the specific problem at hand. It's never about the solution. And I just believe that we're hearing that way too often now, right? Every shop owner we talk to, it's either the technician. And if you talk to the technician, it's the shop owner. When did the evil shop owner thing happen in, you know, in some of the wire services way back, uh, probably 20 some years ago, maybe? Absolutely. It, it came before my time in the industry. So I've been in the industry for 10 years and I've been hearing technicians complain about shop owners ever since. Um, and as a, you know, as a shop owner, I understand that a lot of this is a communication problem. If we're not communicating well with our technicians and our technicians aren't communicating well with us, it's easy to have this kind of uh, mentality in the shop. But as a servant owner, if you will, or, uh, you know, someone who's about the employees and about the the improvement of others, uh, if you're conveying that to them, there's no reason for them to feel that way. So you're preventing it by open communications. Absolutely. Are you doing any one-on-one reviews, not on a yearly basis with your people, but do you ever just, yeah, you have a small shop. I'm sure it's very difficult to find that time to get together, but do you ever pull anybody in and say, hey, give me 15 minutes after work, let's just sit down and talk? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we try and do it sometimes in the morning. We also have three huddles a day where we pull the guys in. We have a conversation about the day. Um, and then we'll separate out and we'll talk about where we're winning, where we're losing, and what it is that we can do to solve that problem. But where do I find the, pr- the private time, the one-on-one that I can actually say, um, hey, hey, Lucas, you're getting on my nerves. <laughs> uh, so, you know, uh, time is of the essence, they say. Um, I, I wish I could give you the correct answer for that, but um, you just have to do it. You have to make it. Uh, and and sometimes we get away with uh, pushing all these small things and putting them in a corner and saying, we'll deal with this later until they become the elephant in the room that you can't walk around anymore. Anybody ever say that to you? Oh, yeah. This guy named Rick White. He's, uh, oh. he's definitely said that three or four times a day for... I see. You're getting on my nerves. (laughs) (laughs) Are you self-taught, Lucas? Uh, Yes, for the most part. Absolutely. How'd you do all this? I mean, how'd you get to the point where you now own a a, a business? Um, Did you graduate cum laude somewhere? No, absolutely not. I was homeschooled for many years. Uh, When I came out of school, I went to work at a local hospital and decided that a suit and tie was not my thing did a couple different things and somebody came into my life and they said, you really need to do something with your life. And I thought, well, I am doing something with my life. I go to work every day. What are you talking about? And uh, one thing led to another. I have a shop now and, um, you know, people like Paul Danner, right? Um, Understanding how things work, uh, why they work before we begin to test something. And people like Rick White and the Remarkable Results podcast and and all of these people from ASTE, uh, good influence, good information, and, and understanding that you're not in it alone is probably the key to owning a business, right? Well, you know, that's, that's huge today. And, and you could get, like you say, involved with social media. Is that a, a perfect resource for you to learn from? 
Oh, no. It, it, is there such thing as a perfect resource? Um, I don't believe it is a perfect resource. And, and you can very easily um, get just as much bad information from social media as you can good. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the YouTube certified mechanic patches going around Facebook lately. Knowledge can be very powerful. It can also be very dangerous. Years ago, I was in some uh, performance forums and people would give advice and you'd look at it and you'd say, that could get somebody killed. And even though the advice may have been reasonable, if that person doesn't know how to interpret that advice, it can be just as dangerous. So the base knowledge is still very important. I like what I've been hearing so far about you and your people, uh, your engagement with your team training. How do you stay on the cutting edge with your customers? We have uh, implemented things like a new shop management software and and um, DVI software. We use uh, Shopware and AutoTextMe for for customer communications. We do a lot of texting. We do a lot of email. We allow the customers to stay in control of the process. We listen to them. When they said, hey, can you text me? And that conversation got more and more frequent. Uh, Listen, could you just text me instead of calling me? Uh, We recognize that there was a need to be texting with our customers. So that's the direction we went. Uh, It's been a huge asset for us. Uh, We still provide the same great service we've always provided, but now we're communicating in a different way. It's been really cool to see how well-received that's been. Where are you getting your new customers? So we do a number of things. We've got Facebook advertisements. Um, I think for us, the number one thing that people say when they come through the door is, how did you get 54 five-star reviews and no bad reviews? And I said, well, I take care of every single customer that comes through the door. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And uh, so Google reviews are probably the primary source of new customers for us in our community. How big is the community that you're in? So it depends. Uh, we have Appalachian State University that's here, um, and I don't have the exact numbers on it right now, but um, I want to say we're around 25, 30,000 people in this community until college gets in. And then um, you can realize that our infrastructure is lacking quite, quite horribly all of a sudden. There's an influx of students? Absolutely. Massive influx of students. Massive. Maybe you're talking about 10,000? I would guess that it's probably in the 20s or 30s. Wow. Yeah, so we'd, we'd have to go back and look to see the exact number, but there's a lot of them. How do you deal with the long-distance repair of those vehicles? I'm sure there's a lot of students that have vehicles, and you need to deal with maybe mom and dad from a, a long distance away. Any great story there? Absolutely. So one of the things that we really specialize in is, you know, as you know, I have a daughter. And I can only imagine my daughter being 100, 200, 500 miles away from home in her car and something happening to it. Uh, We reach out to the parents and we say, listen, we want you to know that your child's taken care of. We're going to make sure their vehicle's fixed. We're going to make sure it's safe. We're going to make sure it's reliable. If they need something else while they're here, reach out. We, you know, we're a family. Right. We're a relationship based business. We're, we're about building a relationship with you. Uh, you know, we offer the loaner cars. We offer uh, payment options where the parents can pay from where they're at. So we have a lot of um, systems designed to facilitate that every way we can to make it easy. We pick up and deliver the cars and, and just make sure they understand that we are out for the best interest of them and their family. What's your role in the business? It sounds like you are on the counter. It sounds like you love to tinker in the shop. You're a very typical shop. Explain to me your workload. 
So I do everything. Um, I am the <laughs> service I'm writer. I'm the CEO. You're the chief of everything. <laughs> That's it. That's it. I chief clean the toilets. Officer. <laughs> I do the inventory. Um, so, you know, I do have a customer service representative that works at us with the, or works with us at the front counter. Um, I help with uh, testing and evaluation of vehicles. Um, it could be anything from moving a vehicle to working with uh, technicians to solve a problem and, and helping them learn and grow. Um, I deal with training our people uh, and handling apprentices. Um, so we're, we're very proud of the fact that we try and bring in apprentices and raise them from the ground up um, and begin to show them why we love this career in this field. Um, so I do a little bit of everything. It's taken time for me. You know, one of the things that, that I hold near and dear to my heart is the fact that there was a, a come to Jesus or a reckoning um, at one point or another where I realized, hey, you can't do everything. And you have to turn some of this over to somebody else and let them do it. And you have to let them make the mistakes. Um, and it took some other people pushing me to say, let it go. It doesn't matter. We're going to have mistakes. Things are going to happen. How did you learn? Well, I made mistakes and I messed everything up. They said, right, they're not going to learn if they don't do that. So was it the business? I'm assuming it was the business coach that was forcing you to either to, to delegate, to stop being a micromanager. But, right, absolutely. Okay. Which is, it seems to be everyone who's on a, a great trajectory is getting someone sticking their foot up somebody's butt and moving them in the right trajectory. <laughs> were you a micromanager or were you just, you, you just pushed yourself inside of each of these different jobs? I push myself inside of each of these different jobs. Is it because they couldn't do it as good as you or were you just unwilling to uh, let them fail like you did? I, I was unwilling to let them fail and and didn't recognize that fail was a very important part of the learning process. But you were worried that the business would fail if you didn't do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I was wrong. I was completely wrong. I'm, I'm okay admitting that now. Wow. Uh, you found humility. Yes, sir. I think as a business owner, uh, if there's anything that I could say that somebody needs to take away from my thoughts, it's that we worry about every customer that walks through the door. We worry about every situation that we come across that, hey, what if this goes wrong? This is such a big deal. We need to step back a little bit and recognize that, that A, people are more understanding than you might give them credit for, but B, that those little mistakes are what build character. And, and give us our path forward. Um, if we don't allow others to make mistakes and, and if we try and protect every single situation in the business, we're going to make ourselves batty. You'll drive yourself crazy. You just said something builds character. What's your best character or trait? I think uh, honesty, integrity, and customer service are my best traits. That, that's where I shine and, and I just think it's my... Um, natural desire to do what's right for others coming through when, when working at the front counter. Does that bleed into the culture of your business? Off? Absolutely. Okay. And your people are, are, are performing and living and doing the things you want them to do that make the culture perfect or right? We definitely have experiences. And, and you know, I, I listen to so many podcasts and different things. And, I, you know, oftentimes we see everybody's highlight reel. Um, I, I wish I could say we never have instance uh, where, you know, things things always go as planned. No way. Are you suggesting that we do a whole bunch of shows called, man, it was ugly when I started? 
Absolutely. We should definitely start that. I could be perfect for that. Um, but, you know, seriously, we, we have technicians who have attitude problems. We experience things where guys are, are going through personal issues, where health problems come in and things don't go the way we expect them to. Um, and being able to say it's okay is, is part of being a good business owner. It took me an awful long time in my life to be able to say, I don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Most powerful couple of words that you can, you can utter. It's not hard to get an answer or two or three. Especially in today's world, right? You can find an answer. Now, you need to verify it's the right answer before you implement it, but you can get an answer pretty quickly uh, on many different um, you know, uh, methods, right? We can Google it. We can call somebody. We can post it on social media. So you uh, decided uh, from whatever the hospital job that you had or if there was anything in between there to open up a shop. Take me to that day that you put the key in the door. I don't know if you said to, honey, look at this is ours and this is we have this great mountain to climb. Take, take me to that day and what you were thinking. I'll be honest with you. Uh, looking back, I, I can't tell you exactly what I was thinking, but I was looking back saying, gosh, I'm going to make all this money. Um, and, you know, looking back, that probably was not the thought to have at that point in time. Uh, you know, it's taken 10 years to get it figured out. But, uh, you know, really going into it, looking at, hey, I really like doing this. I really like selling these parts. I really like working on diesel trucks. Um, and it was a passion. And it slowly became more and more of a business. I, I had been working on some trucks on the side, uh, had been selling some parts here and there, and it grew and just continued to grow and, and change. And, and eventually, my path changed through what the shop became. And that's where we are today. And no tech experience. No tech experience. Just taking things apart that, that my parents didn't exactly want taken apart and eventually being forced to put them back together. That's the big learning curve right there. Absolutely. Dad eventually came to me. He said, son, if you don't start putting some of these uh, vehicles back together, we're, we're not going to have anything to drive. Could you please go put my van back together? So that's where it all started. Entrepreneurial drive, spirit. What, what, what motivated you to do this? I was pushed. I had people in my life who saw potential that I couldn't see at the time and was pushed from others and people saying that I should do something other than what I was doing. Um, at the time I was in construction and, and they thought I had more potential than what I was exhibiting and um, slowly just worked my way into it and, and always had an eye for things mechanical and grew up in a business where, you know, we, we handled customer service on a very personal level with four to 500 customers a day in the other business. So I knew customer service and it just, the pieces fell in where they were supposed to fall. Okay, so you on day one said, oh, look at all the money I'm going to make. How many years have you been in business now? Been in 10 years now. 10 years. So you remember those early days. And so all that money you made, wow, I can't believe it. In, in probably in year one, you could probably retire. Oh, I, you know, I'm still trying to find all that money I made. I, I seem to have misplaced it. I, uh, but, you know, it, it definitely is a struggle. Um, and not knowing how to manage a business and not having the people to direct you and lead you as you go on this journey uh, is a very, very expensive way to earn a living. You said you were self-taught. So before you hired a business coach, where were you getting your lessons on leading? When I began to kind of 
take the curve from being in the shop um, and trying to do everything myself, I found a forum um, and it was the auto shop owners forum and uh, began to get some information there. Um, I still remember it years ago. I think Jay Hunt was on there and and some other folks that, that we know, John Anderson, and began to watch and read and and pick up some information and really quickly realized, hey, I'm behind the ball. These guys are doing things that I just don't understand. I don't have a perspective on this. And slowly started finding some training events. Listen, I had no clue that there were training events out there for people like me. It just never occurred to me. We we had these little training events that we went to with our local vendors, and it was about selling the the part that was uh, on the counter or selling the tool that they were advertising. Oh God, I know. And what, what um, I never knew there. Right, I never knew there was anything else. And we found ASTE, and it, it was a real life changing event for us. Um, started going to Vision, and and really saw some opportunities to grow, and and found out that I didn't know a lot of the things I needed to know. So take me to um, ASTE in the banquet when you were given that incredible award, member of the year. Yes, sir. Absolutely. How'd you feel what about that? What an honor. That? I mean, you're, you're, how old are you? I am 33. See, you're, you're a millennial. You're a young guy who's been in business for 10 years, um, just kind of, if you will, starting to make noise. And ASTE gives you the Member of the Year award. Wow! What an uh, an honor! I was I was blown away, and and you know we had I would have never expected that. Um, I just saw that there was opportunity to help others that were in the same position that I was in, and felt like it was very imperative we reach out and begin to go in that direction. I felt like that was what we need to be doing, um, and that's all we did. And and you want to talk about an honor? I was completely blown away. Get involved, I think, is maybe a little subtopic here, is that you've decided to get involved in an, in an association. Absolutely. And, and you know, uh, if, if it wasn't for these associations, most of the training that I have been to would not have been provided. Um, the things that have allowed me to grow my business to the level that we're currently at, I would have never even realized we had business coaches. Um, would have never realized that there was management training, would have never realized there was genuine technical training out there. Um, and and the the amount of knowledge that they bring. And, and, you know, so many people say, well, what is it that they get out of it? Uh, they don't get anything out of it. I, I don't think that people understand this. They're doing it for you. You said something so big and bold and powerful that I'm not sure there's enough people out there that realized the impact of what you just said. I got involved and I didn't realize. I didn't realize all the stuff that was going on. There's a lot of people that join an association because they want to get some of the benefits. It could be insurance, parts discounts or something, but they never make the connection or the leap or the forward progress to go to a seminar to do something beyond an ROI. They, you know, there's an ROI for the business, but what about the ROI for you? And so when you said, you know, but I, I better go to this conference, I better go to this seminar, were you at a point where you just said, well, you know, I'm, I'm at a pretty tough place. What could it hurt? My stress level was through the roof, right? I was, I was still trying to do everything myself and I was trying to absorb every bit of everything that happened in the shop, whether it was good or bad, um, and, and had completely lost perspective. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go to this training and, and had initially decided to go for technical training 
and switched midway through to go to some management training. Um, took uh, one of my employees who had just come on with me at the time. I said, we're going to go to this. I told my wife, I said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go to this, but I think I'm done. I think I'm, I'm done with the stress. I'm done with the aggravation. Um, I, I might just go get a job somewhere. And we went to this training, and that's where I met some very powerful people. Um, and by very powerful, I mean they, they brought some knowledge to me that I was lacking. Um, and it really turned my perspective around, right? I, I began to see that there was opportunity for growth. I began to see that I wasn't alone that there was somewhere I could go with this, that it didn't have to be the way it was right now um, and, and really had the opportunity to change my life, my family's life as a whole. Great story. When you look out another 10 years, you'll be 43, <laughs> um, multiple shops. What, 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 do you, what do you got planned? You know, I think we're going to expand this shop. Uh, we're going to continue to provide phenomenal service to our community. And if we're going to go in any further direction than that, we're going to work with uh, the local educators. We're going to work with the high school and the community college to begin to raise up the next generation of automotive service professionals. Um, and we're going to help them provide that information that these people need moving forward and let them see that this is a great career. Um, you know, it, it's it's earned me a good living and, and it has been extremely rewarding. Um, and, and I've, I've had such a good time. So I want to pay it forward and, and help some of these young cats coming in. Love it. One final question, my, my friend, success secret. Do you have one? Be humble. Um, and if, if there's any one thing that I can say, take ownership, um, you know, I, I've learned over the years that until we come right out and say, this is my fault, I made this mistake, uh, we'll correct it, that you don't have the ability to fix it. And until we come right out and say, hey, doesn't matter really who did what or how it happened. I'm the leader. Uh, I'm going to take ownership of this. I'm going to correct the concern and we're going to move forward. Uh, and that that empowers you to correct the concern. Great answer. And on the books page on the website is extreme ownership. And That's exactly uh, where I, it came from. Yeah, I know. And when I got done with that book, it really impacted me to to a way that I always felt that I had a level of responsibility in life to take ownership. But when I when I read the stories of what's called extreme ownership, <laughs> right. I, I realized that I wasn't quite there yet. And I really Absolutely. did. Yeah. And, and, and like you, I really made a huge leap forward. Well, thanks for that. Lucas Underwood, LNN Performance Automotive Repair in Blowing Rock, North Carolina. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Carm. Have a great afternoon. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.